Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I'm so happy to have you joining us. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love for you to hop on over to iTunes and give us a couple stars for our rating. We would be ever so appreciative. In this episode... Shannon Sepulveda is back. So Dr. Shannon Sepulveda is a physical therapist in Bozeman, Montana, and she is also a certified women's health physical therapist. If you missed her last episode with Brianna Battles, I highly suggest you go back through the podcast, listen to that episode with Brianna Battles because it was wonderful. And this episode is no different. Shannon interviews Anthony Lowe. He earned his degree in physiotherapy a master's in physiotherapy, and took part in the musculoskeletal physiotherapy specialization training program, the highest form of training a physiotherapist can take in Australia. Anthony can help you in a number of ways. His unique skill set and approach allows him to help those in pain, from those with acute injuries to those with long-term chronic pain, and those who are interested in enhancing their performance for sport, work, or recreation. He mainly uses exercise, manual therapy, dry needling, and various other techniques to help his clients. A big emphasis is placed on teaching you about your condition, what to do about it, and how to help yourself. And if you want to know more about Anthony and also some of the great courses that he teaches all over the world, head on over to thephysiodetective.com. Now in this episode, it was right after Shannon had taken one of Anthony's courses, and they talk about a lot of the information presented in the course, practitioner language, advice for female athletes navigating the healthcare system, Anthony's experience treating diastasis recti, and so much more. It was a great interview by two people who really know what they're talking about. So a huge thanks to Dr. Shannon Sepulveda and Anthony Lowe for a great interview. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your guest host, Shannon Sepulveda, and I am here with Anthony Lowe, the physio detective. Anthony, can you tell us a bit about you and what you do? Right. So um, I'm a physical therapist from Australia, a physiotherapist. I've got my degree there, and then I did a postgrad master's in musculoskeletal uh, physical therapy. And I see, you know, from young children all the way through to older folks. But, I, you know, my whole career I've also worked with uh, women and women's health with pelvic floor dysfunction, but from the outside. Uh, so, you know, having to work with women's health physical therapists. Great, thank you. So we just finished up the female athlete course here in Salt Lake City. Um, so my first question would be, how do you think we are hurting females with exercise? I think, um, I think we can hurt females with exercise because we really get upset about diagnoses that they have. They're really significant uh, diagnoses. They, they uh, not only hurt physically but emotionally and they also cause um, you know, significant health problems. So I think it's important to recognize first of all that the things that we worry about 
are, are significant enough to worry about, so I'm not minimising what women go through. However, if we just focus on the vagina and restrict activity because we're trying to save them from something that might happen in the future, you miss all the health benefits of having women exercise. And the World Health Organization recommends 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise and at least two of those sessions to be whole body strengthening. So I think it's really important that uh, we acknowledge that there are good health benefits, decreased risk of cancer, decrease um, heart disease, diabetes, risk of stroke, uh, breast cancer, uh, bowel cancer, and a whole host of other uh, medical conditions. And, you know, decreasing uh, their ability to have good bone mineral density and good balance because they're not strong enough means that older folk can fall over. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that. Uh, you know, the fractures that women can get from falling because they're weak, have low bone mineral density, can increase their risk of um, early death as well. So holistic women's health is more to me than just what's happening in the pelvic area. I think something else that was really important that you touched on was the social aspect of exercise and how important it is for a lot of women to feel part of a community and that a lot of times when they're not exercising, um, they don't get that. Do you want to touch on that? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's so many different ways that we can hurt women um, with our recommendations. We, we, we can take them away from their support network. We can, you know, they, for a lot of mothers where the, the gym they go to has a child mining service, that's their time away for them and then sharing that with friends catching up over a coffee if we start saying to them hey you shouldn't do that we're actually taking away more than just physical activity we're taking away their emotional support their stress relief we know that um, that good exercise improves the quality of sleep that you get and new mothers already sleep deprived if the child's waking up you know every few hours and we know that sleep deprivation is uh, similar to being 0.05 uh, under the influence of alcohol. So your decision-making ability goes down, your ability to coordinate goes down. Your, so many things happen when you're sleep deprived. So having good quality sleep because you're exercising, having your support network there, let alone hurting women by giving them fear about things that really the evidence isn't as certain on um, is really important to me as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point, especially when we're talking about postpartum women with postpartum depression and anxiety and how exercise can really help that. Um, so after the course this weekend, um, I feel like I've had a paradigm shift in my thinking. So my next question would be, how should PTs think differently about female athletes? Um, I think the first thing that we should point out is that female athletes, and, and you know, a female athlete to me is anybody partic partaking in physical activity. Um, not just a high level athlete, but if it's relatively intense for you, either moderately or high intensity, I think you're doing athletic endeavors. I think you're pushing yourself to become better. So first of all, let's acknowledge that. Second of all, I think too many people think that women are just 
weaker, shorter, lighter men. Um, and, you know, we, we are equal, but we are very different in terms of some of the processes that are going on, our anatomy, and it doesn't make you better or worse, it just makes you different. And so the considerations that you have sometimes have to be different as well. Um, I think that's important to acknowledge there. I would love PTs to actually think about letting women actually do what they want to do. Uh, so particularly um, anyone working with women's health, pelvic PTs, ortho PTs who specialize in female athletes, being sensitive to the needs of women in a biopsychosocial way, right? So not just the, the diagnosis that you have because you have pelvic organ prolapse, but also uh, acknowledging just how much loss, grief, uh, loss of identity even um, is going on there and what their beliefs are about what this diagnosis means for their future and, and how they see their future interactions with their family, for example. You know, women uh, are even considering not having children or not having more children because somebody has flippantly said, oh, you know, it's just going to get worse as you have more children. Um, you know, an off-handed remark like that can be a massive weight on somebody's shoulders and, and the person probably didn't even mean it like that. So I, I would love PTs to actually consider their words and to consider the individual needs of everybody, not just the women. So, um, so yeah. What suggestions do you have for the words that PTs should use when women have heard scary things? Wow, there's a lot of different things. So for instance, instability is one of the biggest ones I hear all the time. You know, I've got pelvic instability, I've got poor core stability, my back is unstable, my SIJ is unstable, um, you know, I've got hip instability. Like, can we just stop using that word? Like, maybe their coordination is not happening in a way that's helping their symptoms. And so we can say, hey, you know what, you're doing it, but it's currently associated with pain. How about we just give you some other options and let your brain be able to choose what feels good. And you know, on the course this weekend, we saw so many times, we just show somebody how to do something differently and we didn't even have to cue them. They just started changing because it just feels better. And so taking away the fear from the language being able to have people experience the change that you're looking for and then be able to talk about it. You know, we so often want to head knowledge lecture people about whatever diagnosis they have. And, you know, sometimes it might be worthwhile just to experience it first, experience the change that you're hoping for them to feel. And then let's talk about what that really means, because we're starting from a place of, of an understanding of how you wanted them to feel about something without telling them what to feel. Yeah, I think that's that's really important. Um, so, oh, so many more too. <laughs> so many more. Oh, alignment, well, poor yeah. alignment. So alignment, for example, poor alignment, you know, your postural alignment, your forward head posture, your anterior pelvic tilt, your posterior pelvic tilt. Uh, you know, your, your ribs aren't stacked over your pelvis enough. 
Uh, all of these things heap burden on women. Um, what's some of the other ones that I love talking about? Uh, you know, optimal, optimal function, you're dysfunctional. You know, nobody looks at somebody and goes, you're dysfunctional, you're dysfunctional, you're dysfunctional. Oh, you just slipped into functional. At what point do you define functional? You know, at what point do you go from instability, instability, oh, you're almost stable, you're just a little bit unstable. Now you're stable. Like, these are just made up concepts that, uh, and I know what we're trying to describe and what we see, but to, to people who are suffering, you know, we get to see them for half an hour or an hour and then we don't see them again for days. These people are hour by hour living it out and some women are minute by minute thinking about every little thing that's going on in their body because somebody said something, you know? So, um, so much language stuff. Um, so I think acknowledging their feelings is super important, not dismissing their concerns, their feelings, their hunches. Um, you know, I think that's really important that women feel heard, they feel understood. And then let's have a careful discussion about what does that really mean? What does that look like? And one of the things that I love doing is letting somebody think, because, you know, lots of people on the course said, I have instability, I have this, I, I'm just weak. Um, and then being able to take them through a process where I'm not really doing anything to them, I'm just helping them to move differently or do something different, and then have the have them feel better and then be able to come back and say, so are you unstable? Well, I guess not, you know? So are you weak? Could you do that if you were weak? Well, I guess not, you know, instead of saying you're not weak, they feel weak. Yes, I acknowledge you feel weak. Let's see what you can do. Oh, could you do that if you were truly weak? I guess not. And um, so being able to use language to remove beliefs and being able to use language to encourage a, uh, a framework that is not narrowed down into a really specific set of parameters that you need to meet so that you can be doing the right thing, but understanding just how broad your body has the ability, you know, just the breadth of variation that you can tolerate and be able to explore that. So, you know, language is such a big thing. I spend half a day on it, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it, I think that was great. I mean, especially when women hear things like their organs are falling out or mm. a knee patient is bone on bone or mm. you have the bones of an 80 year old, mm. you know, and they hear that over and over. Mm. Um, so what do you want the public to know about the female athlete? What, what would your advice be for um, just a woman who is postpartum or a woman who is experiencing some type of pelvic floor dysfunction? What questions should they ask their physical therapist and other health professionals? Yeah, I think it's really important for um, women, first of all, to talk to their, their care team about, so the key message is, is uh, key message number one is get a pelvic PT internal assessment if they've got pelvic floor dysfunction because they're looking for things that are different to your OBGYN and your, and your uh, gynecologist. Um, so, so that's my key message, number one. Key message number two is 
for the public is how you do the exercise is much more important than the exercise you choose. And lots of PTs will demonize an exercise, but really I could take any exercise and make you feel absolutely horrible with your symptoms or use the same exercise and make you feel really great about your symptoms, have no symptoms and be able to do more than you ever thought you could. And it's the same exercise. So how you're doing that exercise makes a difference. And ultimately, I want the public to understand that we don't actually know mechanistically why things happen. We do have some clues from the research. We know that uh, if the therapist that you have is nice and you feel uh, like you're heard and supported, you're more likely to get better. so you know little things like that to be able to uh, say to the public that just doing something different is a great way to start and and so if you're doing something and you're plugging away at it and you're not succeeding just do something different and if somebody is is dead set on trying to get you to do something in a certain way and it's not working for you just go find somebody else and, and if you're in an area that's, you know, a one physical therapist town, jump on the internet. You know, there's, there's online consults, there's people that you can talk to. And, you know, I meet so many great therapists every time I get to go and teach. So, you know, the confidence in the profession that is, is, uh, is definitely getting there. What, you don't have to be at a certain level to help people. You just have to be a nice person. And to be open to the idea that why you help somebody might not be the reason why you think. Um, So yeah, look for therapists that are happy to be uncertain about why is probably a big thing. Uh, You know, a big big push from the public is to have certainty about what's going on and and what's happening. And the problem is, is that the research is telling us that we're, we're uncertain about why, but we do know we help people. So um, I think that's a really, it's a really key message and, and um, being able to do that and be confident about our uncertainty, yet confident about our ability to help, I think is, is where I'm at these days. Yeah, another great thing I got uh, um, from this course this weekend was just critical thinking and just the importance of critical thinking. Like you went to PT school, you can critically think about things. And I think that can really help solve problems. Um, so what do we know? So what evidence do we know? Do we know, for example, that if you have stress incontinence and you go to CrossFit, you get worse, or if you have prolapse and you run, you get worse. What do we know from the research? Well, it's very, very broad. It's very broad. There's so many different things. Um, you know, there's some recent research that seems to suggest that whether you're doing walking or a CrossFit class and you haven't had a baby, things seem to be roughly the same. That was in in a research study. And that was very surprising. I I was expecting worse things from the CrossFit just because it was a heavy workout. We we seem to to know that if you've um, got pelvic floor dysfunction, doing certain exercises like Pilates is no extra pressure on you compared to that of a post-surgical woman. So if we're happy for people who've had pelvic surgery to get up and walk around and the pressures and the, and the intensity on your pelvic floor is roughly the same, well, maybe it's not as bad. Um, 
We know that women with um, stress urinary incontinence, for example, uh, impact loading activities seem to be uh, a problem. So jumping, running, um, these, are, these are problems, as well as lifting heavy weights. Um, but it seems to be less on that. Pelvic organ prolapse, for example, um, and diastasis, you know, people, people have been saying for, for too long that diastasis causes pelvic floor dysfunction, and yet we, we don't know that for sure. And there's a recent study that seems to suggest that if you have a diastasis, you're less likely in that first year to have pelvic floor dysfunction compared to those who don't have a diastasis. And that's just almost backwards in what we were expecting to find. So there's so much in the research that we don't know as well. Um, you know, there's lots of pressure studies being done. I really want to study some of the techniques that I use to try and help women lift and see if there's a, a physical reflection on what they feel because I know people feel differently. I know people can lift more, they can lift faster, they can do things that they couldn't do before. But I want to know why and if there's a physical reason for that or not. Thank you. So um, let's talk diastasis. So diastasis is so hot right now. Explain. Yeah, that's one of the slides that I put. <laughs> diastasis, we call it diastasis. Diast diastasis. Diastasis is so hot right now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the reason why is because so many women see it as a problem and are we uh, health professionals and fitness professionals feeding into that so because if we make something a problem and then we make a product to solve the problem you can make money from that but we don't even know what's normal we know that nearly a hundred percent of women will have a diastasis and we know that um, you know on average what you have at eight weeks is what you have at 12 months, but it doesn't mean that you can't change that. Um, how much natural recovery occurs? How does the natural recovery occur? We don't actually even have a good mechanism as to how a piece of tissue that has no muscle that crosses over can actually shrink in size. We don't even know how that happens. Uh, we do know that how you hold yourself I don't even know if we've got research for this, but it would seem that putting pressure down into your abdomen does seem to make things not so good. And so lots of the thoughts behind courses are pressure control and posture and loading. But ultimately, I think for a lot of women who, if, if you listen carefully for long enough and then you ask after you've earned their trust, Cosmetic appearance is a big reason why women want to, to have that change. You know, they, um, they want to, to have their pre-pregnancy body. And for some women, that's unavoidable without surgery. And for other women, they didn't even think about it and it happened. And there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason as to how we can affect that, you know. Um, so, so women with diastasis... Is a, is a difficult topic. I take a really simple approach and get them moving as much as possible with, you know, being mindful of pressure control, 
but not being fanatical about it and certainly not demonizing movements and exercises, but just finding a different way that looks like the same thing, but could be more appropriate, not forever, just for now, and then progressing them onwards into, into doing what they want to do. Um, because so many women will say to me, oh, you know, nobody's ever asked me what I want to do. Oh, that's ridiculous. Like, that's the whole reason why you're here, so that you can get to the point you can do what you want to do. So, um, so yeah, goal-oriented therapy. So, um, knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself just graduating from PT school? All right, just graduating from PT school, what would I say now? What, would you give, what advice would you give yourself? What advice would I give myself? Okay, this is pretty simple. First of all, there is nothing special that exists in all the techniques that I've studied. What happens is that we change people's experiences and being a nice person goes a long way to helping people, much more than technical knowledge. Just being able to listen and acknowledge and explore with somebody is far more valuable than taking the next course on the next best thing. Um, you know, the, the latest fad treatment or approach. Um, I would say to myself that uh, you can summarize what you do as a, as a physical therapist as just do something different. Like, you know, they're doing this, just make them do something different. And if it takes away their symptoms, that's great. You don't have to have a good reason why. A lot of the stories that we make up to explain why are the basis of selling lots of books and courses, but really it can just be summarized as do something different. You know, somebody's pushing through pain a lot uh, at the gym doing an exercise and they've been doing it for 12 months, you think, well, doing something different is not going to make a difference to something that's been there 12 months, and all you need is a little bit of permission. It's okay to slouch. It's okay to round your back a little. You don't have to be that rigid. Um, and then their body, their brain gets to use more options and quite often just finds a way to navigate around the obstacles that they've got. So um, I think do something different. Um, being able to, to, to be a good person is more important. And I guess the last thing would be that, you know, don't, don't be an idiot about things. Don't hold on too tight to things that you've put your identity into. You aren't what you do. I'm, I'm not defined as a person because I'm a physical therapist or because I use this technique or that technique. I'm just another person who's trying to help lots of people, uh, just like everybody else is, and, and you know, don't be an idiot about it, just learn from everybody, but be open to the stories and the reasoning being different. But still, you know, acknowledge the observed phenomena that you, you see. You see something happen, you see somebody get better, you don't know why, don't just dismiss it, acknowledge it and then be open to the different reasons why it might be working. Great, thank you. Um, so in closing, where can people find you and what resources do you have available both for PTs and the public? Because I know I took the Bulletproof Your Core and Pelvic Floor online um, course and um, I'm a PT, but I 
it was great for the public, and I think it's just such a wonderful resource for people who don't have access to healthcare professionals um, like a women's health PT or an orthopedic PT that specializes in women's health or for anybody really. Um, so can you just explain about um, what you do and what resources you have? Sure. So I work uh, in a number of different ways. I work uh, from two locations in Sydney. If people in Sydney want to come in and get a consult, if PTs want to, to bring a patient for a consult, which happens, they're welcome to bring the patient and, um, and also sit in on the session. If they want to refer somebody to me, I always email back a letter what I found and what I think's going on, but give them lots of scope to, to be you know, the, the, the primary physical therapist. So be more like a consultant. I do online sessions as well not just for uh, the public, so any general public, uh, but also for physical therapists who want to have some advice on how to progress their patients on in, in their exercise programs, or just because I have more specialized knowledge in dealing with higher level sport. You know, most I think most PTs are good at getting people back from zero to 30, um, but having that 30 to 100 type knowledge it might require you to have some different skills that you haven't got yet. Um, and so I'm always happy to fill in those gaps until, until they're confident to take care of things. Uh, so there's online consults, there's in-person consults, and then I've got the online education program at myptteducation.com, and that's where you can find the free courses. The free, uh, there's talks, there's paid courses, and there's a mentoring program that will be coming up as well. And where on social media can people find you? The easiest is to just search for Physio Detective or Anthony Lowe Physio Detective and you probably will find me. So shoot me a personal message. I'm very social. I enjoy interaction online. Um, or if you don't want to, you can just email me um, via the link on my website, physiodetective.com or directly anthony at physiodetective.com. Great, thank you. And I can personally attest, Anthony did not know me at all, and I have Facebook messaged him probably about three or four times with questions, and he's answered every time. <laughs> so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's um, it was funny because when we met yesterday in the morning, and I and I learned your name, and I'm going, geez, your name is familiar, <laughs> and I just couldn't put a context around why it was familiar because I get so many different messages, but. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful now that I've met you in person. Fantastic PT. It looked like you had lots of fun today so and, and yesterday. So uh, thank you very much and thank you for the interview. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.